Well, this morning, we're going to learn that Jesus is equal opportunity. How many of you know that? He's equal opportunity. He's equal opportunity in blessing, in love, in forgiveness, and he's also equal opportunity in who he will offend and who he will say no to. Because Jesus knows who he is. He's the son of God. He is eternal. And he isn't going to compromise his mission, his holiness, who he is, for anybody in this world. And it doesn't matter if you're one of his disciples. It doesn't matter if you're the Pharisees. Or as we're going to learn today, it doesn't even matter if you are his mother and his brothers. He is still willing to tell you no. And this is probably one of the more surprising instances in Scripture. And it doesn't get, it's not a long passage, and it doesn't get a lot of uh, attention a lot of times in a lot of the great, you know, passages of Jesus' teaching. But there's actually something very important to learn in this as we look at who was rejected by Jesus, that there came a time that even his own family, he had to tell No. And it wasn't just telling them no. It's how he did it. And it's the point he made in doing it that we really got to pay attention to. And so look with me in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 46. It says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I'm just going to venture a guess that that went over really well with family. I mean, family really likes when we, you know, just push them aside and say, "Eh, not right now. You see... What we see in this passage, though, is that God shows no favoritism. There is no group that's able to say, like, hey, God just likes us better. It doesn't exist. And and so there's some things to notice in this. Also, this passage in Matthew 12 is during the very thing we talked about last week. So while the Pharisees are demanding a sign, and he's talking with them and dealing with them, you suddenly have... His family show up, and they say, while he was still speaking. Now, who in here likes being interrupted? Especially in a really important moment like this, while you're arguing with the Pharisees and you're teaching people the truth, it's eternal truth, and then your family shows up and says, hey, Jesus, we need to talk. Now, what what do you think is behind that? Is there a little bit of entitlement there? Is there a disrespect present in that? Oh, absolutely. And so it says, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man and told them, who is my brother and who are my brothers? You see, there's entitlement and presumption in this. And his family members literally interrupt him, believing they had standing with him that other people did not. Now, that's important. You know, are there people in this world that have permission to interrupt you because of their standing in your life? Yeah. I mean, there are. You know, if I'm doing something and and 
something important comes along and one of my family comes up and says, hey, I, you know, this is happening. Yes, you have standing, you know, to, to do that. I'll never forget uh, a previous church I served. We had a new worship minister coming, and he had just started. He had a large family. And so this, you know, lots of little, little children, very little. And uh, they didn't know the new church. They didn't know everything. They just knew they were in a new place. And so he's leading worship, and, well, one of them got free. And he came running into the sanctuary, and he's just running down the aisle. He's up there singing. He's playing. And you just hear, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> and he's just running. And you see the poor nursery worker, like, sheepishly following behind. And it just run, and, and the, this child just runs up to the stage and grabs his dad. Didn't care a bit about everybody else in the room. This little kid did not know. This child did not know that his dad was working. It didn't know, you know, all everything that's going on. What did he know? He just knew, that's my dad, and I'm in a weird place. So that's where I'm going. And it was such a great moment because the dad just stopped playing guitar, picked him up, and kept singing. And I was like, yeah, he's good at this. <laughs> He'd done this before. And so, yeah, there, there are these people that have claim in our lives, and, it's, and they should. Until it comes to Jesus, and they were looking at him through the normal eyes of blood family. You know, Jesus is firstborn. He's grown up in this family. He's got brothers and sisters. They're, in, that, in that culture, the firstborn was what? You know, they were kind of the, the surrogate dad, especially when dad is gone. And by this point, Joseph has, has passed away. And so who's in charge? The firstborn. And so they believed they had a claim on him that superseded everybody else. And it didn't matter that he's in the middle of teaching an entire group, thousands of people right now. And they're like, hey, we need to talk. Now, why did they need to talk? Well, Jesus didn't agree with this, with them. And he put them in their place very quickly but it gets even better when we see why they were there. You see, in Mark 3.20, talking about the same thing, we go over to the book of Mark. It says, then he went home, and the crowd gathered again. That's where he said, we went back to Capernaum, and that's where they demand the sign, and so that's where they are. And it says, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Uh-oh. So they're not just like, hey, Jesus, I just, we need to talk to you about something important. What are they out there doing? Jesus, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop what you're doing. This is crazy. We've got thousands of people, and do you know what you're doing? I mean, they are not on the same page with Jesus at all at this point. And they think because they are, quote, family, they have a claim to be able to put him in his place. And there's such a huge crowd. You think about this. There's such a huge crowd that they can't even eat. They're all there. Jesus is teaching. He's talking to his disciples. There's people gathered everywhere. So what do you have? You have on the outside all this crowd. And Jesus' mother and brother are like, this is insane. This has to stop. Jesus, you've got to quit doing this. But they can't cut through the crowd to get to them. So they, send, they start relaying the message somehow. And they're like, tell them Mary and, and brothers and James are out here. And word finally gets back, and someone's like, hey, Jesus, your family's out there. 
maybe awkward, maybe a little sheepish. Hey, Jesus, your family's out there, and they want you out there, and he, your mother and your brothers are there. And he just quickly says, who are my mother and my brothers? I mean, he puts them in their place like immediately right here, and he says, who are my mother and my brothers? And, and you can kind of hear, who do they think they are to be able to, in, to, to come in and interrupt me while I'm doing this? Now, was Jesus right, or is he just being rude? Obviously, he's right, but this is a hard one, okay? This is one of those hard times because, you know, we're taught be nice, right? Like, be nice, be respectful, and honor your father and your mother. Is he not honoring his mother? What's going on here? Well, it's because their purposes were counter to Jesus's in this one. And as I said, God is not going to compromise anything about himself or his mission or his kingdom for anyone. Nobody in this world. And so, when they show up, they thought, saying, hey, his mother and his brothers, they thought that was going to somehow trump things. Like, you know, hey, I'm playing this card right now, and we're going to get this straightened out because of who I am. And Jesus said, well, who are you? Doesn't matter. You know why? Because worldly and earthly titles mean nothing with God. He doesn't care. The only title that matters with God is the title of faithful servant. That's what he's looking for. That's it. He doesn't care whether you're the president, whether you're a pauper, whether you're a street sweeper or, or a, a prince. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the way he thinks about you one bit. He doesn't care who your family was. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care, good or bad, none of those titles. He doesn't care how much education you have. He doesn't care how much money you've made. None of that matters with God. And that's exactly what his mother and his brothers tried to play right here is their earthly standing to influence Jesus. And a lot of people think that they can claim this earthly standing with God that somehow it means something. And that's why Jesus tells people, he says, on the last day, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And he says, many will say to me, did we not do this? Did we not do this? Did, what do they start listing off? Their worldly titles and accomplishments. And Jesus says, away from me, I never knew you. I'm not impressed with your title. Because all that matters is that God is not going to show any partiality to anybody. Okay, listen to Romans 2, 9 through 11. It says, There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. What's he saying? He says, Everybody who repents and puts their faith in Jesus Christ and bears fruit for his kingdom, you're going to see what? Glory and honor and peace. If you don't trust Jesus Christ and you don't follow him and you follow your own evil heart, what does he say? Tribulation and distress. That's it. There, there's, there are two camps of humans in this world when it comes to God. Saved and unsaved. And so it doesn't matter if you grew up in church or you've never stepped foot in church. would be weird if you were hearing this right now. You must repent and believe. That's it. Every person, when it comes to God, 
has to either be born again or be lost. There are only two groups. And where Jesus pushes this is that you can even be blood relation to him on the earthly, you know, realm. And it doesn't matter. It didn't gain them one ounce of extra anything with Jesus in this moment. It didn't change reality. So, have you ever really thought about the fact that Mary, and then we have the book of James, so James, his brother, at some point had to stop seeing him as son and brother and see him as Lord and Savior. They had to cross that bridge. And you know what? I imagine it was difficult because they grew up with him. You know, this is Jesus. This is my older brother who is so perfect. You know, you think Mary and Joseph ever looked at the other kids and said, why can't you be more like Jesus? Jesus would never talk back like that. You know, sorry, not the whole son of God thing, you know. I, I really do wonder about that family dynamic. It had to be interesting. But at some point, they went from he's out of his mind. Something is wrong with him, and we need to stop him from what he's doing to he is my Lord and Savior and my God, and I bend my knee to him for who he is. And I believe he died on the cross for me and was resurrected and is seated at the right hand of God. That's a faith journey right there. You see, that's why I say it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. We all can come to Jesus in repentance and, and find salvation in him. And so really the question that this begs, as we look at what Jesus does and how he responds to this, is that it's not about standing in what we've done, but it's really, or, or if God's on our side, it's about who's on the Lord's side. Because what Jesus does right here is, is answer that question. He says, who are, my, who are my mother and my brothers? And, and I love this. It says, and stretching out his hand toward his disciples, says, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You want to be connected to Jesus? You got to do the will of God. Now, Jesus teaches later, and you got to, you know, put together your New Testament theology right here. He says, you know, those who do the work of God, and they say, well, what is the work of God? And he says, it's to believe in the one whom he has sent. And so the one who does the work of God is the one who believes in Jesus. To believe in him, to put your faith in him. And so the question, because this is what happens when we start to assume that we have some kind of standing with God, just like Jesus' mother and his brothers did here. They thought that they had some kind of standing, and so they thought they could demand something. And so they really, deep down, what they thought was, God is on my side. Jesus is on my side. And you know what? We get in a lot of trouble when we start thinking that way. We, we just do. And look, honestly... Church folk can be the worst ones at this, thinking God is on my side. No, it's not about if God's on our side. It's about are we on God's side. You know why? Because God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't pick one side. You know what God said? I am. Whosoever will believe can be here. You, you come to me. 
Now, did he come to us? Yes. He, he did everything he could do. He sent Jesus into the world. As I said, he sent us the Holy Spirit. He sent us the word. He sent us pastors and teachers. He's done everything that he's going to do. But we still have to take that step to be on his side. Because it is arrogant for any of us to ever think God is with me because, oh, uh, fill in the blank and you're in trouble. See, we can say, I'm on God's side because my sins are forgiven because my faith is in Jesus Christ and, and he died for me. See, we have a reason that we can say we're on his side. We have no reason to say he's on our side. And I know that sounds harsh. I mean, it's, this may sound like, you know, like, wow, I thought God was love and he was all accepting. Accepting, yes. Compromising, no. And for him to be on our side would mean he would have to somehow condone who we are apart from him. And he doesn't. That's why he calls us to repent. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross for our sins. That's why we have to believe and be forgiven and made new. We literally have to be born again because the first person we were is dead in sin and in rebellion to God. And no, God is not on our side. There will be many who will find out who thought God was on their side, that God was indeed not on their side. And so, there really is this question, and I know it, it, you know, you may, if you're, you know, a little bit older, you may hear that in Charlton Heston's voice, who was on the Lord's side, you know, we, you saw the Ten Commandments, you know what I'm talking about. If you're younger and you didn't, don't worry about it. But there is a very real question there. Because no group of people has exclusive claim to God in this world in that sense. Now, Christians can say we have exclusive access to God and we have the truth. But guess what? The truth is available to everybody. We don't get to mediate that as to who's going to receive the truth and who isn't. What did he say? He says, you make disciples of all nations. You know what that meant? People who don't look like you, think like you, act like you, or do anything like you, they're also welcome. But there is one catch. What is it? We must come to God on his terms in the gospel. Now, all are welcome. God will not turn anybody away who comes in faith. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, nationality, gender, doesn't matter. But we have to go to him. Because when we start thinking that we somehow have standing with God and that God is on our side, that is the road to arrogance and self-righteousness. Every time. We're going to hold up something as to why, hey, God likes me because. And look, I'm just going to tell you right there, that's a, that's a bad line of thought. That is taking you nowhere good. Because the Bible tells us that all our righteousness is like filthy rags with him. So take your best thing you've ever done, your most altruistic moment, the moment where you were like, yes, I'm good. And understand you did it for the wrong reasons. And God is not impressed. He's just not. Now, is he angry at us and vindictive and... No, he's just not impressed because we have no righteousness of our own. And to think that we do makes us miss the point of the cross. 
it leads us to that place where we start to believe in our own goodness instead of fully relying on the righteousness of Christ given to us. And so we have to make sure that we are on God's side and not just assume he is on ours. That we are walking with him, serving him, glorifying him, obeying him. And John the Baptist made this very clear when he prepared the way for the Lord Jesus when he came. Remember, he came to a very legalistic, self-righteous culture at that time that thought they had exclusive claim to God. And what did he say when he showed up? He said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to yourselves to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. See, there's what they were laying on the table of here's why God's on our side because we have Abraham. What does he say? He says, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear fruit, bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, John the Baptist is the first one that showed up and he said, nobody gets to assume God is with them. Now what did he say? He says, repent, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and you'll be on God's side. It's not that he's on your side, it's that you've got to make sure you're on his side. And so our true allegiance to and love for God is what matters. And we show that by our obedience. We're not earning our acceptance with God, but we will obey because we are accepted by God. And you know why? Because a person cannot be accepted by God and remain the same. Can't do it. There is nobody that can truly enter into the presence of God and be accepted by Him and forgiven and keep living the same way. You just can't. Why? Because you're remade. You are reborn. You are given a new spirit. You are given a new heart. And you will have a desire to start walking with God. I didn't say you'll do it perfectly, but it will happen. You will start to become something new, something different. And the great irony of the whole thing is that the closer we get to God, the more grieved for our own sin we will become. And the more grieved you become of your own sin, the less good you think you are. So the person who is closest to God isn't going to be the person standing up saying, I am chosen, I am healthy, I am, I am favored, I am... That. You know what they're going to say? They're going to parrot exactly what the Apostle Paul said, who said, wretched man am I. The closer we get to God, the more aware of our sin we become, and we just go, man, I messed up. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. It's the person that is far away from God that is assured of their own righteousness. And so, that's why Jesus fully clarifies that the ones who are truly connected to him are not connected by bloodline or status or nationality or gender, but by obedience to him. Listen to it again. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Now, do you think mom and brothers were insulted in this moment? You better believe it. 
They just played a card right there, and he did the Uno reverse <laughs> and told them to draw four. No, you're wrong. You have no claim on me right now. None. I don't care that I'm related to you by blood. It doesn't matter. You want to know the people that matter? And he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And he just continues on teaching the group then. I mean, he doesn't even tell everybody, you know what, hold on, let me go settle a family affair. He just says, no. The ones who are listening to me right now, they're the ones that matter. Now, remember, they were there saying he was crazy, wanting to stop him from doing what he was doing. And he will have absolutely none of this. And so in saying this, Jesus undoubtedly upset his family and confused others. You ever been in a, you know, situation where another family starts to get a little iffy and you're standing there like, um, I'm going to go over here. I don't really want to be in the middle of this right now. I guarantee other people are like, ooh, what do we say to this? And Jesus, he doesn't hesitate. He does not hesitate. Because he came to be connected to us, and he paid a steep price to be connected to us, and he's not going to allow anybody to confuse that issue with any secondary matter that would actually keep people from being connected to him. If status mattered, then Jesus wouldn't have been a, a homeless, itinerant preacher, rabbi, carpenter in his day. If status mattered, he would have come in riding on a stallion and, and had a conquering army behind him. But he didn't do that. And now we've got to think about since he came the way he did, and now he has treated, and, and think of this, he has treated his family the way he has and told them they need to back off, they don't matter, what really matters are people that are connected to him, that should make us think differently about Jesus. And in fact, let's think about the mission that Jesus tells us he came to, to fulfill. In Matthew 10, 34 through 39, he says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Now that right there should very much, for a lot of people, that blows their image of Jesus out of the water. If they really think about it, what they have created in their mind is a soft, effeminate, all whatever Jesus that just approves of everything and, and accepts everybody but believes nothing. And I hear that from people all the time. Well, Jesus is love and he would never do that. Um, Jesus built a whip and beat people with it. And I'm not being funny there. He built a whip and beat people with it to get them out of the temple because they were profaning God's house and disrespecting the Gentiles who were trying to worship. And he said, I'm not having this. Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace to the earth. He says, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, 
And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Look, not everybody's going to believe in Jesus. And those people who don't, they're not going to like the fact that you do. Jesus was fully aware of this when he was teaching people, and he did not care. You know why? Because this is the most important thing in the world. Literally, this is it. Because when Judgment Day happens, he's not going to say, well, yeah, well, but Jesus, you didn't, my, my family, yeah, I heard the gospel, but my family, you don't understand. And he goes, yeah, I do understand. I told my family to go away when they were opposed to my will. See, Jesus does understand. And he chose the will of the Father. He chose the will of God. He chose to continue the mission for the kingdom of God and told his family they needed to back off. And went right on. Jesus came to bring division in the world between the people of God and everyone else. And there's, there's no in-between. People of God, everyone else. And we have to get that in mind because his word is very clear here. We are to love the Lord our God above everything and everyone else. It is the first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. It's the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because God will never sacrifice his position on the throne for anyone or anything. He is graceful, and it's amazing. It, grace, that he is, he is so willing to overlook every sin that, and, and forgive every sin that man has ever committed by faith in his... He just made it by belief. He didn't say, even do this. He just said, hey, just believe. I, I'm going to make this as easy as I can. Just believe, and I will forgive you. But he will never compromise that. And if we choose not to believe, he will choose to condemn us. And he will be justified in it, and he will feel no guilt, and he will feel no loss, and he will feel no sorrow for them. And that's why Jesus says, you've got to decide. We have to decide. Because he is worthy of all honor and praise and glory and strength, and he will not share his glory with another. And so when we come to God thinking something we have done, or somebody that we are, or some position that we have entitles us to his presence, like his mother and brothers did, we are saying our glory needs to be honored along with his. And Jesus says, no, it doesn't. I'm not going to compromise. And no, you have no glory. None. And so Jesus quickly and sharply rejected this. And so what that brings us to is that for us and for all people everywhere is choose this day whom you will serve. His mother and brothers, we don't know exactly what happened after that. We at least know that, you know, they, they did come to believe. Some of the, at least some of them came to believe who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. Maybe they stuck around and listened and learned something. Oh, well, if he won't talk to us, maybe I should listen to him. This sounds important. I don't know. But at some point, they did start to listen and, and made that leap. But we have to make the choice. Is this about my glory or his? We were created to glorify God. That is the entirety of our existence. 
how God has blessed us and he gave us dominion over the earth and he put us in charge and we completely messed it up. But he didn't even take that away from us. He says, now nah, it's just going to be harder for you now, but you're still in charge. But we were created with an upward call to glorify him in everything that we do. We were created in his image so that we could glorify him in everything we do. And that is our purpose for existence. And if we're busy serving something else, we're not glorifying him. And so this is a phrase that is used throughout scripture. Choose, choose today whom you will serve. Because Jesus lays it out as clear as can possibly be in Matthew 12, 30 in the same section just earlier. But he says, whoever is not with me is against me. Mm. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Now think about the, the enormity of what he just said. You are either with Jesus or against him. There's no middle ground. And you are either working to gather into his kingdom or you are working against his kingdom and scattering people farther away from it. Now, that to me is what's honestly scariest. And this is probably just a pastor in me coming out. I mean, I'm called to this. But whoever does not gather with me scatters. I, I can't imagine thinking a, a worse thing than thinking you're good with God and getting to judgment day and finding out you've done more harm than good. Thinking you were serving God. And that's what he says. If you don't gather with me, now notice he says with me, we can't gather on our own. We're either doing his work or we're scattering. It's one or the other. And so this is as cut and dry, as black and white, as either or as it gets in Scripture. Jesus leaves no room for error. He plainly says you are either with him or against him. And so the real question, as I said before, isn't, is God with us? The real question is, are we God. Am I with God? That's a question that, that needs to be asked often. It needs to always go back to the cross of, I believe Jesus died for me, and that's why I can be for God, and, and, and it leads back to faith. Because if we are with God, then his promises have been made. His protection, his guidance are assured, and his blessings are secured. He has told us, I will never leave you or forsake you. I have, he's given us the spirit. He's I mean, he, all he does is give to those who are with him. He just keeps giving. He forgives. He loves. It, it's, it's immeasurable. It's an inexhaustible grace. But it is reserved for those who are with him. And if we are not with him, we don't get to experience it. God does not lie and he does not fail. And the work of God's kingdom is obvious when someone is engaged in it. We gather. That is one of the things we do. We gather. We glorify him. Because when we are engaged in kingdom work, it brings life, it brings freedom, and it brings wholeness to people. They find their purpose for life. They find the healing they need. They experience the love of God that they were created to walk in all the time. And so it's up to us to learn to see his kingdom and to choose to serve that kingdom. And we have to guard 
And listen to this. We have to guard against the arrogance that says, I have exclusive claim to God. You know what? None of us does. Anybody who comes to God in genuine faith, he will accept. Anyone. But for some reason, we like to, we, we just want that ex- exclusivity of like, oh, but I, I really know God, you know, that kind of puts us over other people. And it's a bad thing. And, and so I want to close with this. In Mark, in chapter 9, 38 through 41, it says, John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. It says, but Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of cold water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. If we're doing the work of God, we get the rewards of God. But we can be rejected by Jesus if we start thinking that somehow this is about who we are and our standing and and that we have some kind of special access to God that other people don't, that we are somehow better than somebody else. That's what his mother and his brothers thought, and they got shut down immediately. And even kind of in an insulting way. I mean, Jesus could have just said, tell them no. What did he say? He says, who are my mother and my brothers and my sister? Who? Who are they? They're the ones here listening to me. He made a point to pause his teaching to say the relationship that matters is your connection and obedience to Jesus. That's how we've got to live today so that we aren't rejected. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. And God, we thank you that you have given us this example. And God, may we never presume that you are on our side. May we never assume that we have something to to bring to the table that you need or or impresses you. God, I pray that you impress upon our hearts the need for us to make sure we are on your side. That we are following you faithfully. That we are loving you and glorifying you. That we are doing the things and loving others and sharing your kingdom and serving your kingdom. In ways that glorify you and not us. God, we are your servants. Teach us and show us how to find joy in being your servants. To find our purpose, to become the people you have called us to be. That we would become the church you want us to be. That accurately and boldly represents you. That loves people as you love that stands on the gospel and refuses to be moved. God, I pray for every person in here. And God, what we, we all have it, but whatever seed of self-righteousness or, or arrogance or assumption that we may have, God, that you would root it out, that would be fully committed to serving and following you faithfully. God, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray together. Amen.